Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Abortion is becoming a big issue in Florida this election cycle after the Supreme Court's bombshell decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Governor Ron DeSantis may be a big beneficiary of the January 6th committee hearings and the Democratic primary for governor heats up. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... Gentlemen, uh, you know what that music means. Uh, Antonio, you got a number for us today? Yes, gentlemen, I'm going pretty high with a very precise number. 20,639,101 to be precise. All right, that's a lot of digits there. Uh, John, how about you? Zach, I do have a number this week, but unlike Antonio, I'm going to keep it simple. Mine's a 70. All right. Uh, and uh, I guess I'm in the middle this week with an 11 million. Remember those numbers, folks. Uh, we'll let you know what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, the Supreme Court's ruling last week overturning the Roe v. Wade decision protecting abortion rights landed like an atom bomb on the nation's political landscape. And Florida is shaping up to be a major battleground in this next phase of the battle over abortion rights. All eyes are on Governor Ron DeSantis to see how he navigates the issue. DeSantis has been on a smooth path toward re-election, but abortion is one of the few issues that seems to have him on the defensive. He's been vague about what he might do next on the issue, saying he supports more restrictions on the procedure without offering much specifics. John, DeSantis seems to be trying to placate the right without stirring up the left too much. What do you think of his strategy? Yeah, Zach, I'm not sure how long he's going to be able to evade sharing what his plans are for abortion in Florida. But but yeah, I, I think he's doing the math on this issue and realizing that by coming out strongly for Florida to enact strict limits on abortion, that he really could endanger his reelection chances in a state where one recent poll showed that 67% of Floridians think abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Now, I've spoken with some anti-abortion advocates who've spoken with his office, and they believe that something is coming, but uh, probably not until after the November election. You know, what, what seems to be discussed, maybe a ban after six weeks of pregnancy or when a uh, a fetal heartbeat is believed to be detected. Uh, Georgia is trying to enact such a law right now, and that seems to be a DeSantis possibility, uh, at least according to these advocates who would like a, an outright ban, but acknowledge that the governor probably wouldn't go that far. Um, but, you know, if, if this is a not so secret plan by the governor, you, you got to wonder how long can he keep it a secret? He He clearly realizes that this could fire up his opponents, helping Democrats rise off the carpet and uh, maybe win not only in his race, but even in some legislative races if he comes out strongly for a tougher abortion law in the state. Uh, he has the excuse for now, anyway, that the 15-week the of uh, pregnancy limit on abortion, which the, the legislature approved this year, uh, is still undergoing court review after uh, Planned Parenthood affiliates have sued and also a Boca Raton rabbi has filed a separate lawsuit against the stricter limit on uh, religious grounds. Uh, the, the governor has been saying he's he's committed to defending the new law and that's his focus. And I think what he could very well see is that these lawsuits 
become slow walked through the Tallahassee Appellate Court and then the Florida Supreme Court, which must uh, revise its precedent setting view from uh, you know, 1989 that the uh, that the state's privacy rights, uh, constitutional right to privacy, that that protects abortion rights in this state. Um, so, you know, if that lawsuit comes to them on appeal, uh, th- there's there's going to be a you know a long wrangling over uh, uh, interpreting the new law, the new 15 week law. So, I think uh, basically the governor is in no hurry to have these legal challenges settled to that law, meaning that he can hold as a surprise whatever he wants to do come November. And sure. people have been talking, John, about like a special legislative session on abortion. He doesn't really seem all that interested in that, right? No, I think, you know, g- given, you know, our history with Governor DeSantis, if he wants something, he comes out pretty forth- forcefully on it. And uh, on this issue of abortion, you're not hearing too much from him at all. I think, you know, yes, there could be a special session, maybe in this year, you know, we're talking after the election again, or maybe the 2023 regular session. Uh, I, I think you're going to see DeSantis propose something, some kind of stricter ban, which will, you know, evidently satisfy the hard right Republican voting base that he's been courting for so long. And uh, it'll really, you know, that, that's when he's really going to be fully focused on uh, his preparing for a White House run in 2024, presumably. And I think that's an important point to make, John, that, you know, he's really viewed as the leading uh, Republican contender for the uh, presidential nomination already in 2024. Other, uh, you know, uh, even some people think more than than Trump uh, at this stage. Um, although, you know, may- maybe that's a, a little bit uh, premature. But um, being one of the most lax GOP uh, led states in the nation on abortion, even after they passed this 15 week ban this year. That doesn't seem like I mean, DeSantis rarely gets outflanked on the right Uh, just from the pure politics of running in a presidential uh, primary. It would seem like he would be likely to do something on this issue. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. He he has a much broader uh, nation to appeal to now beyond the bounds of Florida. So, uh, you know, he's thinking along those lines. But I guess he is also thinking that first I have to get reelected in Florida. So maybe uh, keep quiet on this for now. And this whole, um, you know, privacy provision in the state constitution and the fact that uh, the uh, 15 week ban is being challenged in state court and that the state Supreme Court has to weigh in. Um, it's not just DeSantis's office, but uh, the both uh, the legislative leaders, um, Chris Sprouls and Wilton Simpson, have both pointed to that to kind of say, hey, we got to overcome this additional hurdle. I've heard some people say they think that that's really just political cover. That gives them some time to sort of um, let this issue die down a bit, not stir people up before the election. It's easy to point to that. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think if they wanted to stir people up, they would and they could. And I think the idea that this uh, right to privacy is going to be upheld somehow by either, um, well, ultimately it would be the Florida Supreme Court ruling on its own ruling from way back. Uh, DeSantis has has reshaped that court to uh, very much in his own image, uh, appointing three of the seven justices now, and uh, all seven of the justices have been appointed by Republican governors who, uh, you know, in one form or another have all avowed uh, an adherence to uh, the anti-abortion movement. 
Um, and one of them, oddly enough, uh, being uh, Ch Charlie Chris, the former Republican governor, who's now running as a Democrat for governor and has uh, nuanced his uh, discussion of abortion to where now he's uh, pro-life, but uh, his definition of pro-life means he's also uh, pro-abortion rights. So it gets complicated uh, at, the, at the state level. But uh, yeah, I think there's a, a strong chance that these courts are going to uh, revisit the right to privacy and say that perhaps the Florida right does not extend to uh, any kind of restrictions on abortion at this point, at least to the kind of restrictions that the uh, state is considering at this point. Well, one thing we know about DeSantis is that he is not shy when he wants to pursue something. Uh, he's usually pretty forceful and uh, he's usually able to convince the legislature to go along. So there could be some other factors uh, on this issue that would cause him to, to go slower here, uh, namely uh, an election coming up. Well, while the nation grappled with the end of Roe, the man who made it possible by appointing conservative justices to the U.S. Supreme Court was again under fire this week as a congressional committee heard damning testimony about his behavior on January 6th. White House staffer Cassidy Hutchison dropped a series of bombshells on the January 6th committee saying Trump knew people in the crowd were armed and he wanted them allowed in the rally past metal detectors anyway. She also described multiple temper tantrums, including one where Trump threw a plate against a wall and another where he tried to commandeer a vehicle to head to the Capitol. Antonio, some commentators believe the biggest individual beneficiary of these hearings is actually uh, none other than Governor DeSantis, who seems to grow stronger the, the weaker the Trump gets. Yeah, I heard much the same this week. And to be honest, we've been talking about that very point on this podcast for some time now. Look, you mentioned the Cassidy Hutchison testimony, but even before that broadside, Trump world has been repeatedly battered by the January 6th investigation. In fact, a week before Hutchison's testimony, former top Justice Department officials before appeared before the committee and the three all Republicans who were nominated by Trump and confirmed by the GOP majority U.S. Senate spoke in detail about how they explained to Trump repeatedly that his claims of election fraud were baseless. And one especially damaging revelation was a December 27, 2020 conversation they had with Trump. Uh, this is while he was the president at that time was at Mar-a-Lago for his final holiday as POTUS. And in that conversation, the justice officials said they refuted point by point, anecdote by anecdote, allegation by allegation, all the claims of election fraud that had been pushed forward by the Trump team. OK, maybe it's not as salacious as reports of an altercation between Trump and a Secret Service agent in a presidential SUV or or even Trump breaking plates and staining walls with ketchup. But that showed a president, that discussion, that testimony showed a president who had been told repeatedly that he lost the election and still Trump asked the Justice Department officials to go ahead and lie on his behalf. That testimony, by the way, pulled back the curtain on what was a really odd holiday visit for Trump here in 2020. We covered that visit as well as the prior, each of the prior 30 plus visits to Mar-a-Lago as president. But that was the anomaly because he stayed out of public sight. Now we know why. Look, all told, gentlemen, Trump is really being badly damaged by this, not just because it shows a president unhinged like the, the, the Hutchison testimony did, but also because the repetition of a key theme, Trump lost that election. That's an important point, he lost. 
And even Fox News analysts and anchors and commentators are giving a nod to the veracity of the presentations in the hearings. Look, the MAGA crowd is loyal to Trump and will be behind Trump no matter what. And that Supreme Court abortion ruling you guys were just talking about helps Trump more, way more than it helps DeSantis. But what these hearings are creating for Trump is a winnability problem, meaning, yeah, he could still win the GOP nomination, but does he have so much baggage that winning a general election becomes dicey? And that specter is growing by each hearing. That's where DeSantis comes in. He is Trump without all the baggage. baggage. He symbolizes and speaks to a lot of the mag, what the MAGA nation loved about Trump. On top of that, DeSantis has created this free Florida brand that has become very popular among Republicans and others in the state and even beyond the state. So without the tarnish that Trump has, DeSantis could well be the answer to that winnability question that is becoming a huge question mark for Trump. And, and, and in a, in a, if you look at the 2024 election right now, you know, it looks very winnable for Republicans. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. And I, I've heard it from several sources this week. And Antonio, these hearings, especially this last one, really sort of crystallize the, the differences between DeSantis and Trump, don't they? And and some of the reasons that people like DeSantis. I mean, when you're talking about a president who throws a plate against the wall and there's ketchup dripping down the wall and people cleaning up the ketchup on the wall um, and apparently did this more than once, according to Hutchinson, where he would uh, throw, uh, you know, the the plates or he would uh, rip the tablecloth off the table. Um, you know, it's that uh, erratic behavior. It's the it's the unpredictability. It's the, like you said, the drama that uh, DeSantis, who seems very disciplined, just doesn't have. Yeah, that's the word. You, you just said it right there. That's the word that people say about DeSantis. He's disciplined. He stays on message. You know, he, he sticks to the point. Um, and, you know, he gets things done without throwing the plates against the wall and whatnot. And I think that is, and we've been hearing that for about a year. Even before the January 6th commission hearings, what we were hearing locally from a lot of people is that, this, you know, one of the things they liked about DeSantis was not that he doesn't tweet. You know, the all the, the the Trump tweets where he called, you know, women dog face and in the name calling and all that. The juvenile tweeting is something that um, has always created some heartburn, even for some of the mag crowd. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the Trump nation people love the tweeting. They love that in your face. That, he tells you, you know, he says what's on his mind. And, and DeSantis you know, still has that edge. I mean, he likes to mix it up. Is, he likes yeah. he likes to brawl. I mean, he still has right. the Trump edge without veering into some of the wilder things that he did. Yeah. And that he che- and for that reason, he just checks off a lot of boxes for for the Megany. Well, DeSantis's presidential ambitions may be brightening, but he first has to win reelection. The two Democrats vying to take him on hope the abortion issue energizes their base. The issue also could shake up the primary with Nikki Freed seizing on past comments Charlie Crist has made, as John mentioned, about being pro-life. John, Freed has struggled to gain traction in the primary. Could this be an issue that helps her break through? It, it really does seem like that Freed needs a lifeline in this race, and uh, she clearly sees abortion rights as maybe that breakthrough issue for her. Uh, you know, she has had a tough time in this race. Uh, here, Nikki Freed is Florida's lone statewide elected Democrat, and, uh, you know, she's been a lobbyist and then an eager supporter of expanding the state's marijuana laws, 
from her place as agriculture commissioner. Uh, you know, that, that, that's a popular issue with uh, Democrats across the state generally. And as a cabinet member, you know, she has been the person who has uh, really sparred face to face with DeSantis on on issues involving the regulation of guns, uh, school safety, the state spending and uh, defending the rights of local governments from state preemptions, state takeovers of, uh, of, of duties and regulations. Um, she's been running for more than a year, but since the get-go in this race, Christ is better known to Floridians, and he immediately took a commanding lead in this race, and he has not done anything to relinquish it. Uh, his campaign this week released a poll that shows him more than 20 points ahead of her. Now, of course, you know, she has polling that would show the race uh, kind of a toss-up, but uh, we don't know which one to believe at this point, I guess. But um, the Supreme Court ruling is giving her a very tangible issue to hammer, abortion rights. And uh, Chris uh, is a former Republican governor of Florida who has described himself as pro-life uh, as a candidate, uh, at least back in his Republican days. And uh, frankly, even since then, he has uh, made that comment. But as as I mentioned earlier, you know, he he's tried to nuance this as uh, that he believes in a woman's right to choose, but he is for life. Uh, his comment was, I hope most people are, he has said. Um, so Chris has been kind of all over the issue, obviously. He's, he's, he's been strong, though, on abortion rights in his three terms in Congress. And uh, even as a Republican governor, he vetoed a mandatory ultrasound bill before abortions, uh, which you know really antagonized his fellow Republicans. And John, one thing that was interesting uh, this week with Roe, uh, he came out and called for uh, the impeachment, I think, of uh, Kavanaugh and one of the other Supreme Court justices. So he he obviously wants to, you know, look, um, you know, uh, appeal to uh, Democrats on this issue and try and, um, you know, co cover for some of the some of those past um, statements that sure, he made. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty wild comment to start trying to impeach. U.S. Supreme Court judges. It seems like he felt like he had to make a statement, didn't he? Yeah, I think he is sensitive to this uh, potential, uh, you know, weak flank that he has on this issue. So he is looking to come out kind of strong in, in favor of it. But he's also fortunate right now because I think women's organizations and abortion rights supporters uh, and, and groups, they, they, they trust him to block any restrictions. But, you know, really freed can and really should try to capitalize on Chris's inconsistent commentary over the course of his three-decade career in Florida politics. Because, uh, you know, you don't have to think too hard to realize that it does sound like he's tried to have it both ways on this issue through the years. And uh, also consider that Freed is a woman, 44 years old. Chris is a man, 65 years old. He's turning 66 in July. She very clearly can cast herself as a more credible carrier of the abortion rights message in Florida. She she looks like, you know, she uh, she looks a lot more like the Floridians that we are seeing attending abortion rights rallies around the state in the wake of the Supreme Court's ruling uh, on last week. But, you know, Democrats, though, they, they, they know that DeSantis and the Florida legislature, which is ruled by Republicans, that that's where the fate of abortion rights could be decided after November, unless they put a Democrat in the governor's mansion with a veto pen. Um, so, you know, Democrats want a winner. 
like I said, uh, you know, abortion rights advocates I've spoken with trust Chris on this issue. So they're not really wavering from him. Uh, you know, they, they really don't expect any Democrat elected to turn their back on abortion rights. So, you know, there's not that much distance between Freed and Chris, evidently, on this issue in their mind. Uh, so, you know, Freed has not been able to rise up yet to threaten Chris as this, uh, you know, familiar, generally popular candidate. But in the closing stretch of this campaign, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be guided by the drama swirling around abortion. And Freed should really, from a tactical point of view, continue to make her case on this issue. It may be her best chance to, you know, not maybe not shake confidence in Chris. Uh, Democrats don't need that kind of intra-party feud, but really to make herself a stronger and vibrant candidate uh, and present herself as the best candidate who has a shot at capturing what is likely to be a low turnout August primary and then be able to go into the November election and contend with uh, DeSantis. Now, uh, you know, uh, uh, abortion rights in the end may not be the winning issue for her uh, overall, but her advocacy for it may be what makes Floridians take another look at her and decide that she is a better November opponent for Democrats than Chris who we all know, you know, he's run six times for statewide office and he's uh, he's won three and, yep, he's lost three. So maybe time is uh, for, for somebody else. Well, I think you're you're really uh, spot on there, John, with this electability thing. I mean, that's what Democrats really care about. They want somebody who can take sure. on DeSantis. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there's most people would think that Charlie Crist is going to get in there and, uh, you know, uh, uh, weaken um, uh, abortion uh, protections or, or anything like that. But you make a good point. I mean. Uh, if Freed can sort of use this issue uh, uh, to get some attention and to show people why she is a more vibrant and uh, stronger candidate and and sort of, um, you know, make the argument on this issue uh, and use it as an example of why, you know, she's a, a good debater and a, and a, a good advocate for um, her party, then, then maybe it, it does uh, shake things up a little bit here. So. We'll see what happens. Well, we'll move on to uh, the numbers. Uh, Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, gentlemen, uh, you know, it's, I'm going to go pick up where I left off with this Trump conversation. And 20,639,101 stands for uh, that number of votes. And it's a big number, and it's a bit of a complicated explanation. So just sit back and, and listen to you know, we sort of work this out, because uh, it's kind of interesting. So. In the uh, 2016 presidential election, uh, Trump lost the popular vote count to Hillary Clinton by more than 2 million votes. Two years later came the 2018 midterm elections. Zach, we covered those elections, and I certainly remember Trump saying he wanted that midterm to be about him. He made it about himself and combined the Republicans lost a U.S. House race by, by almost 10 million votes. Then Trump lost the 2020 election by just over 7 million votes. So if you add up all those popular vote deficits in those three elections, uh, Trump and the GOP are looking at a nationwide deficit of 20,639,101 votes. Look, it's an astonishing number. And Trump always says at his rallies that Republicans will get tired of winning by backing him. But the truth is they've lost to the ballot boxes consistently on national elections since 2016. 2020 was not an anomaly. It was par for the course. That's why I'm hearing the GOP money is flowing to DeSantis. 
because he is the one who right now has the aura of invincibility, just like John just mentioned, not Trump. Especially as economic headwinds, headwinds pretend, you know, favorable for results for Republicans in 2022 and if they continue into 2024. They feel they can win and they can win decisively. So do they risk losing with Trump, who does have all this baggage and this big cloud over him? Or do they go with someone they feel has a better chance to win like DeSantis? That's what I heard this week. And I heard it from a couple of uh, Republicans, including to it, to be sure, are never Trumpers. But they kind of did that calculation on the sort of the popular vote deficits. And I thought, you know what? That's kind of an interesting point. So there you are. And it is interesting, Antonio, and I, and I do think that uh, there's an argument to be made that Ron DeSantis has uh, more crossover appeal and is more likely uh, to capture the popular vote um, than Trump. But, uh, you know, that's something that you could debate. John, uh, you want to tell us about your number? Yes, yeah, Zach, I had a 70, and that's 70 percent, the percentage of party switchers in Florida who have turned Republican over the past year that President Biden has been in the White House. That's up from 58% of the party switchers who became Republican during the last year of the uh, Trump administration. So we're seeing more Republicans, uh, more more party switchers are Republicans right now in Florida. And uh, those stats are from a new report by the Associated Press, which examined data nationwide and uh, came to the conclusion that two thirds of the 1.7 million people who switched parties over the last year became Republican. That's a, a million new Republican voters compared to about uh, 630,000 who switched and became Democrats. Uh, you know, so what does this mean? It, it means more bad news for Democrats heading into the midterm elections. And here in Florida, a governor's race where you know, Ron DeSantis is eager to get a big win that may catapult him toward the toward the White House in 2024. Now, now you know, party switching data is hard to get and isolate and examine. Uh, AP managed to look at 42 states that had data over the past 12 months uh, and broke it down that way. Now, these Republican gains are generally attributed to what is many see as uh, you know some no party voters and uh, yeah, maybe some Democrats as well who have been, you know, they had been repelled by the Trump Republican party, but now they're switching over to the Republican side uh, which now is sort of without Trump. Uh, it, it's, it's viewed as a suburban swing voters now sw- swinging away from Democrats and uh, toward Republicans. Uh, it's a product of frustration with the Biden administration. And of course, uh, the data was compiled before the U.S. Supreme Court's recent abortion ruling, which may be a game changer heading toward the fall and may keep Republicans from making the kind of uh, uh, voting switch uh, gains that you know many earlier had envisioned for them. Ab- abortion is generally supported by a majority of Americans and Floridians, and, and they don't trust Republicans to maintain the availability of abortion. Um, but, you know, here in Florida, we have been writing about the Republican gains with the party outpacing Democrats with the number of registered voters it had at the end of last year. That was for the first time in modern history. And that lead grew now almost to 176,000 voters 
by the end of May when uh, the Division of Elections uh, issued its last round of reports on uh, on party allegiance. We're seeing 176,000 more Republicans than Democrats right now in Florida. So um, 70% of party switchers in Florida now are Republicans. Uh, that's not a good trend with still six months ago before the November elections. But as I'd uh, mentioned, let, let's see what impact the Supreme Court ruling and abortion politics maybe has on the pace of these switchers. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to slow down a bit. Yeah, and, and the number you mentioned, John, about how many more Republican voters there are uh, in Florida than Democrats. Democrats had a hard time winning the state when they had like half a million more registered voters than Republicans. You got to think true. that when there's 176,000 more Republicans than Democrats, that that is a a a bad sign for them but um you know uh it'll all be clear on election day <clears throat> my number is 11 million that's how many people uh regularly listen to podcaster joe rogan the joe rogan experience has been the most popular podcast on spotify so it's notable that this week rogan said he's a fan of governor ron DeSantis. rogan said quote I think Ron DeSantis would work as a good president. I think, I mean, what he's done for Florida has been admirable. And he went on to really praise um, DeSantis, particularly uh, on the pandemic and keeping uh, Florida open uh, and uh, not uh, having some of the uh, COVID-19 restrictions that other states have. Rogan's support for DeSantis is kind of interesting, not simply because he's so popular, but because of the demographic that he reaches, which tends to be, you know, younger people, especially uh, younger men, many of whom likely aren't really that closely aligned with either uh, major political party. And this could be an important group of voters. And DeSantis seems to be uh, particularly appealing to them. Recently, Elon Musk also said that he likes DeSantis and Rogan and Musk kind of have uh, a similar appeal. They appeal to to similar uh, populations. A simple way to describe it is that DeSantis has some of that bro appeal that Musk also has, but it's probably uh, a little bit more complicated than that. I think Musk and Rogan are both pretty uh, major influencers and and their early support for DeSantis really does uh, say a lot about how much he's sort of uh, broken through beyond sort of the typical um, GOP um, uh, sort of group of uh, power influencers here. So um, another good sign for uh, DeSantis going forward. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I wanna thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.